for the Athletic Podcast Network. This is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Eno Saras, who covers Major League Baseball for The Athletic, about his new article, The 10 Bold Predictions That You Should Be Paying Attention To As We Get Ready to Start the 2021 Baseball Season. Now, last season, Eno selected Yu Darvish to win the Cy Young and had a pretty good pick on that one. He also picked the Tampa Bay Rays to win the World Series. And we'll talk to him about some of his best picks for this year, who he chooses as the MVP. And we'll try to get a little funky with him, too. Get outside of the numbers, all things we can talk about with Eno Saris of The Athletic, who joins me next. It's Wednesday, March 31st. It is always fun when we can talk baseball with Eno Saras, and we're going to talk baseball ahead of a full 162, at least that's the plan uh, as of right now. Eno, what's going on, man? Welcome back to the podcast. How are you? I'm doing good. I mean, we're talking now about teams getting vaccinated. They've got an incentive program in place that if 85% of the team gets vaccinated, they can have their family travel with them. And I don't know, (laughs) some for some that might be a disincentive, (laughs) but uh, they're trying to get it done. Maybe even relax restrictions at the ballpark in the coming months. I can't wait to be able to talk to a player again without doing it on Zoom. Yeah, I've got tickets to the ball game uh, at the Coliseum. I'm going to see the A's and the Astros on Sunday, sitting in a little pod of two seats. So I'm excited, man, to get back out there. But it's funny you mentioned like incentive for the the players. Maybe if they said like, "Hey, 85 percent of the fans, if you guys get vaccinated, we won't do seven inning doubleheaders, and like we won't put a runner on second to uh, to start extra innings, give the fans some incentive." You know. So I wanted to get into uh, to some of the fun stuff you wrote about in your article from the other day. The ten bold predictions for the 2021 MLB season. It would sort of it's funny because you write these things every year and everybody comes with their predictions but I always wonder like how you pick the category of your predictions because you don't go specific to like this guy's going to win the Cy or or this guy's uh, or this team's going to win the World Series necessarily you sort of get a little bit more specific so do you like uh, do you flip some tarot cards do you do you look at the stars do you rub a lamp what's your your process yeah you know the the secret is that I'm showcasing statistics I'm showcasing uh, <laughs> certain ways that I think about baseball and in fact last year I used them to predict that you Darvish would win the Cy Young. I got pretty close, second place on that one. But yeah, like for example, I predicted that Vlad Guerrero would hit 30 homers this year and and that one had to do with his maximum exit velocity, which is a super meaningful stat and super powerful and it's powerful in really small samples. And last year, I think only like three or four players hit the ball harder than Vlad Guerrero did when he hit it as hardest. So I'm saying he doesn't necessarily need to even lift the ball to hit 30 homers. He can just smash them, line drives everywhere. And I followed that process where it's like, these are the things I'm looking at. These are the stats I'm looking at. These are the outliers. These are the, these are the guys that I earmarked that are like, you know, this guy keeps popping when I look at my numbers. Yeah, I like that look. I like that you're picking that based on you know, a very specific statistic and the harder they hit balls, the more likely they are to leave the ballpark. And he's a guy who's had a complete body transformation, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. also over the last offseason. So I want to start with your, your number one prediction. And this one is about the Mets. And it's really, it's sort of self-indulgent here because it's going to segue into the Giants. But your first prediction here is that the Mets finally have enough depth to go all the way. They go and they get Francisco Lindor. Who knows if he signs a big contract even before the start of the season here, some $300 million extension, but he's due to be a free agent. You go down, you use a metric, I guess you call it the bat projections, and you label above average pitchers, and you have the Mets with the most in baseball at 21. You have the Giants second with the Rays at 20. Tell us about this projection and and how you use this and why it's important for the Mets, but also how it applies to the Giants. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the big ticket items that the Mets did got the most attention, but when they traded for Jordan Yamamoto from the Marlins and when they traded for Joey Lucchese from the Padres, those were meaningful trades as well because they were when they signed Kevin Pillar and when they when they signed Jonathan VR and when they made some attempt to improve their depth, which is something I think in the past they haven't done as much. You know, I think of the Toronto Blue Jays signing Marcus Simeon. They already had a full lineup. They didn't need him. But by doing that, now they have contingency plans when somebody goes down. It's like when the Yankees signed DJ LeMayhew. They did that knowing that something would go wrong. Something always goes wrong. And this year, something's going to really go wrong because we have a lot of pitchers coming off of career lows in innings, really. And last year, we had three times the injuries of a regular season when it came to pitching. So there's guys who were injured last year, guys who opted out, guys who didn't pitch at all. Even the guys who did pitch, pitched like 30 or 40 innings. So I think, you know, every team is going to be really scrabbling around for innings. And I think the Giants actually fall into the Rays category where it almost seemed like depth was a number one target of the offseason. Neither team signed a top free agent starter. Neither of them got Trevor Bauer or anything like that. That's an inning sign. But they did go out and sign a lot of veteran arms that project to be above average. And that's important, too, because every inning you give to a below average pitcher is a chance lost. I was joking about looking up at the stars and stuff, but uh, no, this is a, it's a good scope. It's a good perspective and a good way, I think, to look at, at how you value these teams. And you're right. The Giants went out and have used the same formula for a couple of years now. Just sort of going back to the Mets, outside of just that metric or that analytic, the way you're looking at the, the depth of the roster, what do you think about the NL East? I've seen so many different projections about which team is going to finish at the top. I think the Nationals are still an intriguing team with Juan Soto there. They've obviously got a huge rotation. They add John Lester. They add Josh Bell to the middle of the lineup. The Braves were were a stout team last year, but a lot of people are picking the Mets. What do you think about the NL East just in general? It's pretty intriguing, but the one thing that was not bold about my prediction was that the Mets have a pretty consistent 94-win projection. They're pretty consistently, through any projection system, probably top four team in baseball. So it wasn't that bold to pick them. But however, it is still bold to pick someone to win it all the way right now, you know, because they yeah, haven't yeah. even made the postseason yet. And then, and then that's a whole gauntlet. But the division is interesting because I think the rest of the teams are just pretty flawed, honestly. The Braves are a good team. That's going to be it. It's going to be the Braves and the Mets, I think, at the top. The Nationals have a terrible defense. They were one of the worst defenses of recent times last year. And then they added Josh Bell and Kyle Schwarber, who are not defensive stalwarts. And their starting second baseman is Josh Harrison. Their starting third baseman is Starlin Castro. I have a feeling that they're going to have two players that are good at defense and nobody else that's going to come back to bite. The Phillies had the worst bullpen of all time, literally the worst bullpen of all time last year. And it'll regress and be better, but I don't know if they did enough work there. You know, I think the Marlins are a pretty big candidate for regression. When you look at the Braves, um, the only thing that I have is that uh, most of their pitchers, their starting pitchers last year, had career years. Max Fried, Ian Anderson, even Mike Soroka, most of their guys had career years. So you would project most of their starting pitchers to regress. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. 
That's a division that intrigues me, I think, just based on, on some of the talent. But you're right, uh, maybe top to bottom, and we'll see how the pitching shakes out. But you're right, maybe top to bottom, the Mets, the best team there. Coming back west, uh, you had another good one here. Your, your number three projection on this list was neither Mookie Betts nor Fernando Tatis Jr. will win the NL MVP, which I don't think it's a crazy thing to suggest, like, yeah, I'll take the field, especially yeah, right. <laughs> when the field bold. includes yeah, right. when the field includes Acuna and Juan Soto still. Pretty, uh, pretty good odds there, right, to go take one of those guys. But it is funny that, like, we have two guys at the top where Fernando Tatis Jr. hasn't even played 162 career games yet, yet he's a candidate to win the MVP this year. What brought you to this projection, and why'd you take the field, you know? <laughs> well, I think it's just really interesting. If you look at the American League, there's actually a huge gap between Mike Trout and Alex Bregman. I think Mike Trout is projected for 7.3 wins or something. The point actually doesn't matter that much. He's projected for more than seven wins, and Alex Bregman is something like five and a half. So that's a pretty big gap. You know, in the NL, nobody's projected for six wins, and there's like six guys projected between five and six wins. So that's what I was reacting to, was just there's parity in the NL. You know, there's there's a lot of good players in the NL. I think that actually speaks to the whole league in general. The, the American League is a little bit more stratified. I think the worst teams in baseball are in the American League. Some of the best teams in baseball in the American League. The National League is a little bit tighter in every division, I would say. The National League Central is going to be pretty tight. The National League East, you were talking about, pretty tight. The National League West is at least going to have a battle at the top. So, you know, I think that's a little bit what that bullet point was about, was not only the players, but, you know, maybe the leagues are going to be tighter. And maybe the National League is going to be tighter in general. Yeah, you've got seven guys here projected with wars of five or higher all in the National League now with Frankie Lindor coming over. Juan Soto's an interesting player because he's so young. He's put up like, you know, Mickey Mantle, Barry Bonds type numbers, they're saying, through his first couple of seasons. I'm wondering about how many pitches he'll get to hit. Like, I don't think he's going to be a calling it the Barry Bonds treatment would be sort of ridiculous. Just that guy had like 120 intentional walks and like eight of them with nobody on base uh, in 2004, which is sort of ridiculous. But he's got to have guys behind him that can hit. What do you think about the kind of season Juan Soto can have? And I like hitting him in the two and the three spot. I think Josh Bell's projected to hit behind him. Bell is projected to bounce back. You know, there's some things underlying stats. You know, he still hit the ball hard. There's some things that he did still well, even in his bad season. So I think uh, with him and Trey Turner, there's enough there to have a core of an offense. In fact, offensively, I think they're okay. They're a, a top offense for the National League, I would say. You know, if your worst hitters are Harrison and Castro, that's your eighth, ninth, your seventh, eighth, ninth guys. You know, it's not... It's not a big deal. They're going to be okay offensively. And Soto is a special bat, man. He, I thought he reminded me of Miguel Cabrera at first because he has that opposite field power, real great plate discipline. But he makes more contact than Miguel Cabrera. There's a chance he stays svelter. And his beginning has actually been better than Miguel Cabrera. And Miguel Cabrera is a Hall of Famer. So, yeah, good job, Juan Soto. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's off to, an incredible, off to an incredible start. Well said. Good job, Juan Soto. Uh, you, you had another projection down here uh, that I liked. Jose Urikiti will get Cy Young votes, which is funny because uh, I saw Grant Brisby posted about this earlier on Twitter, and I actually shot him a uh, response because uh, I was looking at the 2001 Barry Bonds MVP season. Felix Rodriguez for the Giants, a late-inning reliever, got an MVP vote, which is sort of funny, but did not get a Cy Young vote. So the projection for Urikiti getting a Cy Young vote, and then give me somebody else out there who you think could be like, an MVP-type pitcher candidate for this season? It's getting harder and harder. I don't know why, but I think there's just more writers that just separate the two. There's a pitching award and there's a hitting award. And, you know, I think that it's very unlikely that we give a pitcher one. But if there is one, I think it's Jake DeGrom because it's not fair to say they only pitch every five days because they face so many batters in that game. 
that, you know, Jake DeGrom will face over 700 batters in a season, which means that they're right on par with an everyday player who gets 600, 700 plate appearances. I think that it's a little bit unfair, but DeGrom is the kind of guy where he could have like a, an ERA that starts with one. If the offense clicks behind him and the bullpen's fine, he could he could be the only 20-game winner because wins are, are going away. So if you have a 20-game winner with a 1-8 ERA, you know, he's sitting 99 now. He's just an insane guy. So I think that could be enough to to give him uh, the, the MVP. Urquidy for Cy Young votes, you know, I have a number for stuff and a number for command. And he's one of about three players, one of which is Dake DeGrom, that has elite command and elite stuff by these metrics. I know he didn't strike out a lot of guys, but change up first, guys. You'll see it with Cueto and Jared Parker in the A's uniform. But change up first, guys, don't always have the big strikeout rates. They often will get weak contact in a moment that somebody else will get a whiff because the changeup works off the fastball. I think it's just something about the nature of the changeup. I don't think Orkidi will have the same strikeout rate as Jake DeGrom, but I think like a young Johnny Cueto, I could see that with Orkidi. Nice. I like that. Sort of thinking about guys like Dallas Keuchel kind of like that too, right? He sort of rode his way to a Cy Young with soft contact. Keep looking at those good ERAs, right? And it's like he doesn't have the strikeout rate as everybody else. He keeps the ball in the park and has ERAs. It's upsetting that timing. That's what it is. It's, it's keeping guys off balance at the plate. And you mentioned separating, just sort of last thought here, you mentioned separating pitchers from hitters. How about what Shohei Otani's done this, uh, uh. this spring? Five <laughs> five homers, three walks for this guy. And I heard, uh can't remember who, it was Buster Only maybe who said it. And I thought it was an interesting way of thinking about it. He said, might be the only guy in the game who can hit a pitch that leaves the bat at exit velocity over 100 miles an hour and consistently throw pitches at over 100 miles an hour. It's like, that's insane. I mean, this is a guy who, if he can put up numbers, and I'm wondering if they'll hit him too or or put him in the leadoff spot at some point, get him a couple extra at-bats, which would be so funny, or let him hit now on days that he pitches. But he's a guy who I think if, if he can put together a full season, I think you could see him in an MVP candidate conversation. If it happens, it's got to be over Trout. I think it'll be one of those things where it'll break people's brains. People will get really angry about it. People were pretty angry that Miguel Andujar didn't win rookie of the year over him because you had to add the pitching war to the hitting war basically which is no one's ever really tried to do that every once in a while we we did it with Bumgarner but for the most part you don't want to add the hitting war to the pitcher (laughs) so (laughs) I think it's possible and they they're talking about sort of relaxing the rules and maybe allowing him to play at the plate you know six times a week and pitch so maybe even hitting the day he pitches he's one of those guys I don't think anybody else has hit 100 miles an hour with the pitch and hit 120 miles with a, with a you know a ball in play, <laughs> and he's that kind of player. So it's a little unrefined sometimes. You know, it's not great command. It's not a guy who has like a ton of finesse, but he whoops the crap out of the ball and he throws the crap out of the ball. And if he, you know, even plays to the level of a number two starter and the second best bat in your lineup, it'll be weird, right? You'll be like, well, he wasn't. He wasn't a number one, and he wasn't an MVP, but if you put it together, he was an MVP. That's why there's going to be lots of arguments when he wins. But I think he could win. I think Joe Madden will do it. I think, I mean, he he ran, he was running guys out there like every day in the World Series when he was manager of the Cubs. And also, I'd love to see him hit leadoff because that hasn't happened since like 200 years, right? Since like pitchers were hitting leadoff. Since like Spalding was taking tours around uh, around the world doing these And he's fast, and, and he gets on base. Yeah, like you, yeah, you could totally give him the leadoff. <laughs> He can run. You know, I don't want to go without talking about, you said you had a beer article coming up. You've always got something good going with beer. What are you doing ahead of the start of the season? Or is it does it tie into baseball, or, or what's the deal? We're trying to find the hot new thing in every baseball market. 
and I called in some help this time. Corey Brock is the ringer. And between the two of us, we're going to cover every city. And hopefully, hopefully we're going to open up this year and maybe you can do some travel and maybe you can go find the hype beer in the place where you're going. Uh, maybe you can add it to some baseball games and uh, go to a high brewery afterwards. So that's, we're just, we're doing the scouting for people. Fantastic, dude. That's the dream, right? Get out to a ball game and uh, and have like a, a checklist of beer places you got to get to. That would be fantastic, man. You know, thanks so much for coming by, dude. We'll keep following you and uh, we'll catch up with you once the season really gets going, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Always fun talking uh, baseball with Eno. And yeah, we'll make sure you check out his beer article that he's got coming out. And it'll be nice, yeah, if we can get out to a ball game and, and actually have some of these beers that he's been recommending. So thank you to Eno for popping on today. Thank you to Brian. And thank you to the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're listening to us. We've got a lot of fun stuff coming up. Giants and A's get going tomorrow. Opening day of a full season. And the hope is that all these players, at least 85% of them, will get their, uh, their vaccine. And we can open more stuff up. We can take some of these restrictions off of the ball game. But coming up, we've also still got to talk about what's going on with the 49ers making a trade for that number three overall pick. We'll have that conversation early next week and some more baseball coming up on Friday. Until then, enjoy the week. Enjoy opening day. We'll talk to you Friday.